Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bijou Banter. Today in the Zoom studio with me is the usual group of guys. We got me, Calvin Leslie, we got Orson Codd, we got Matthew Hull, we got Daniel McGregor Hire, and we're talking about two movies today, as per usual. We've got Queen and Slim, which came out a while ago, but we didn't talk about it on the podcast then, and it's a really good movie, so we wanted to talk about it. And we've also got, what's the other one? Nomadland, which just came out on Hulu, which I think will be an interesting discussion, giving someone on this uh, uh, Zoom call's opinion of the film. But to start with Queen and Slim, we've got, it's directed by Melina Matsukis. It's her like real directorial debut. It's written by Lena Waif, who's in A Master of None and voices someone in like AT&T commercials. But it's very well written. It's got Daniel Kaluuya, it's got Jodie Turner-Smith, and it's got uh, the guy who played Shocker in Spider-Man Homecoming. What do we all think? I thought it was interesting. I remember seeing the trailer for this a couple months, about a year ago, before the movie came out, and I was like, oh, that looks like Bonnie and Clyde. And it's crazy to think how much this kind of commented on racial politics before what happened last summer. This movie only came out about a half a year before everything happened. And so I thought that aspect of, was really interesting to watch it. You really like feel for these characters because you don't know what you would do in this situation. And you know that this is kind of a real thing that happens with, you know, uh, racism when it comes to cops and people of color. So that was very interesting to watch. I do think though, my biggest issue with it, the movie's incredibly long. And I think there are some elements of it that could have been cut out because they don't really have an effect on the plot. But I mean, I think when it, the good is outweighed by the bad. The performances, especially from Daniel Kaluuya, is just, he's amazing. I think he's one of the greatest new actors working today. So I, I wasn't familiar with the, the female lead, but yeah, other than that, I thought this movie was pretty good. Yeah, and you're not to blame for not being familiar with her. She's really just been in Queen and Slim. I, I thought this movie was was fine. I There's, there's parts I really like about it. I like kind of like what Orson touched upon, how... I feel like this movie does speak a lot more within the past year after the um, after the killing of George Floyd and sort of the whole Black Lives Matter protests. It, it definitely has a lot more weight to it. Not to say that it didn't have weight before, but now it's just at a new level. My problem with it is that I agree it is kind of long and they do sort of just like meander all over the place at points. The one issue that I had is that I feel like the relationship and the romance is pretty weak. And I I don't really, like, by the end of it, I didn't really see, like, much of a connection between the two leads. Not to say that they were bad characters or anything, but I just found them really uninteresting. And by the end of it, I kind of knew what was going to happen. Like, we'll, we'll probably get into it later, but the big conclusion at the end is what the message of the film is all about. And I think the message outweighs the overall story and that is one of my issues the message is great it's just the whole narrative surrounding that is pretty weak and sort of goes on for far too long yeah i actually uh likes this movie um i was initially wanting to see it when it came out but i just didn't have the time to go see it but i think now that i watch it i can see a lot of like how it fits in with the racial politics of today. I mean, it is pretty important to kind of that they really make this story feel a little bit realistic, at least adding realism to the prejudice that is currently going on today. And I really do feel like that is portrayed very well through the camera work because I feel like um, 
I don't want to want to pronounce the last name, but uh, I think it's like Mestakis or something. Um, Melanium Mestakis um, really does have a directorial style that really fits in with this story. I really like the long takes in this one. Um, it really, and I really love the acting with uh, Daniel Kaluuya as usual, who second Daniel Kaluuya movie in a row this week. Um, and Jodie Turner-Smith, like they have really good chemistry. Um, and I really like the fact that it's kind of its own version of Bonnie and Clyde, but kind of has a lot more to say. And I feel like that's what makes it very relevant. So I really like this movie. I'm, I'm shocked that this wasn't perfect scores all around the board. I think this is just about as close to a perfect movie as you can get. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully written. I We'll talk about the romance a little bit more later, but I thought the romance was pretty good. I think, like, obviously it's still prescient today, but I think it still had just as much to say in 2019 as it did in 2020. I feel like people forget that this stuff in 2020 was also, like, happening in 2014 in like 2016 and basically all throughout history but um aside from that like it's a beautiful film like I absolutely love looking at it and it's just awesome I really like Queen and Slim I'd only seen it once before with my dad but it's we both sort of looked at each other after watching it was like yeah that's 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 a movie that's a really good movie uh but I'm curious what do you think could be cut? Because looking at it, like I can see sort of what you're talking about, but I also can't think of a single moment that I'd want gone. I personally don't think the stuff with the Chloe Savagne character and her husband, was that Sturgill Simpson? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I oh, wait. No, that was Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, Sturgill yeah, Simpson Flea. played, um, he played the cop that they right. killed. Yeah. I don't think the stuff with Chloe Savagne and the guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers needed to be in the movie because it just to be there, it didn't add anything overall to the plot because they, the shocker from Spider-Man Homecoming was like, I got this friend in the military and then they go down and see him and then they almost get caught, but they get out and then they go down to Florida. I think they could have just removed that segment and just had Shocker say, I've got this guy down in Florida and he can get to a plane and then they just go there. Cause I, I don't know. I just didn't feel like a lot happened with those characters besides that they almost got caught, but they got away because the cop was like, yeah, you can go. And I, the horse thing was cool. And like the scene where they're like hanging out in the car was fine. I get why they had it, but I just don't think it added much to the movie and it just could have shaved off all three of those parts, like maybe 15 to 20 minutes. Well, it's clear that they're trying to add those scenes to build onto this relationship and like make it seem like it matters but like they just I don't that's like I said before it's just like their overall romance because the whole reason why they're even going on this is because they met on a tinder date which I think is actually admittedly that's pretty funny and then they they get pulled over by a cop and then they he's like he's falsely gonna get arrested and then he shoots the cop basically they have to go on the run because now they're fugitives like, so it's clear that they don't really know each other because it's their first date. But even then, you'd expect that on the road, they make grow some sort of attachment. And it's clear that they're trying to do that. But I still don't, like I said, at the end, I still didn't feel much of a connection there. And I, I don't really know why, because like, they don't really talk about the most interesting things either. And they just kind of like, seems like they're wasting time, like just like driving like, in terms of the film too. Like, because you could cut out so many of those driving scenes. You could cut out the scene with the horses. Oh my God what <laughs> the driving scenes were like there were so many times where it's literally just them playing like music and it's just them driving i'm like how many of those yeah. shots do they have? and it went on for a long time i was like maybe I, like two or three are fine they had like 
I gotta say more than 10 of just the car driving and like showing shots of like scenery. And I was like, that's too much. Like, I don't know. I cut, get what you mean. Cut like five of those and yeah. the movie would be a little more digestible. And, and the the scene with the, the couple in the house and they have to like escape and like the cop lets them go. Yeah, get rid of that. Cause it didn't really matter much. If you, if you just rewrote the script and removed that aspect, it would have been fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna defend the scene where they go to a, well I'm gonna defend the driving scenes first of all because they might not be necessary in the slightest but they're so pretty, there's it's just so like they're in really good looking cars and they're in really good looking landscape and admittedly they're pointless but I don't know I thought they were pretty and then the scene with the house like I understand where you're coming from with just get them to Florida but I feel like they needed a sort of another ally stop and I like what it did sort of to complicate the narrative a little bit where he's on their side but she's not on their side but she's still helping them out and there was just some really cool imagery with like them under the floorboards and I don't know why they had all those hiding spaces in their own house but it and it had this really cool scene where they had to drop from a window and like I feel like it wasn't necessarily necessary which is the most redundant thing I think I've ever said but it was still like it was fun. And if it's fun, I'm always down to have it in there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm kind of siding with Calvin here. I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for these road trip type movies. I mean, I've I always been because I don't know, I feel like, I mean, as a kid, it's like, we used to go on so many road trips, it's like seeing like, you know, like America, like being so old and so new. And so it's pretty interesting to kind of see them go through these areas and develop the connection through that because that really makes it really adds atmosphere through those driving scenes but i i can see what you're saying in terms of that there are too many of them um but i also can i can defend the parts with flea and his wife um i really do feel like that um it does kind of add a little bit more into like the racial pop I wouldn't say more but it adds a little bit into the racial politics that kind of go on and kind of see like do we actually trust them do we don't trust them and it, it's a very interesting dynamic I mean I'm guessing the thing to kind of say is that it could have been focused on a bit more but that would have also dragged out the movie a little bit too long but I can see what they were trying to go for with that scene yeah, and you touching on sort of how it complicates the sort of or adds to the racial politics of the film. Like one of the things that I think this film does brilliantly, and admittedly, I'm speaking from a very uninformed standpoint, so it might do it really stupidly, and I just think it's good, but it like complicates a very sort of simple narrative. And the narrative is simple in real life. I like side with it being very simple, but it adds these little wrinkles that like it doesn't ever say like, that it's wrong to be a part of this movement. It just adds little things that you've never thought about. Like there's two instances with black cops and one of them gets killed. And there's instances where, where white people are shockingly more helpful than black people because there's that guy in the garage who doesn't support what they're doing. And it's never saying like that protesting the police is wrong or that the police are the good guys in this situation. It just adds little wrinkles for you to think about. And it makes you go, oh, shoot. And I really like those parts. Those parts are probably my favorite bits. Also, I gotta hop on this. Matthew, you said the romance wasn't that good. I think this is one of the best romance movies I've ever seen. 
Well, I'm I'm glad you think so, but like I I didn't hate the romance, but it's just it was it's so it felt very substandard too. And considering like this is this all like this whole movie takes place in the span of like a week, I think. Like I thought maybe like just the way they would grow closer would be more interesting, but they don't. They just they just talk and like they just reveal more about themselves, I guess. But we, we reveal that um uh Queen, she's a she's an attorney and had to <clears throat> uh her uncle like killed killed her mom, right? Isn't that yeah. So it's like we learn we learn a lot about her, but I, I feel like we don't learn as much about um Slim. And to me that it was kind of weird how it just seemed a bit bit uneven. And like one one part that really annoyed me is when uh it's during one scene when they're having like sex in in the car and it's intercut with like this protest and it's just the way the way it's edited is just it's so like out of place and awkward and at that point I don't like it's clearly supposed to be a very visceral emotional moment not only for the characters because it's it shows that they're having some sort of bond I guess but I feel like me as an audience member I don't see much there that justifies that and not to mention the fact that it's spliced into this protest where people where the police are throwing tear gas at protesters it just did not seem like like right not in like a bad way but just it seemed really out of place and awkward and I don't I that was one part where I really didn't understand what the movie was trying to say and it just seemed very out of place admittedly yeah I have to agree that um that sex scene mixed with the protest scene didn't didn't rub me the right way it was a uh... Yeah, I wasn't sure what it was trying to say there either. And it either was trying to say that them having sex was bad or that the kid killing the cop was good. Or maybe it was just trying to do some Brechtian theater weird, like juxtaposing two emotions nonsense to try to get you to feel something new. But it, it just didn't work. And the sex scene is really stressful because they're on the run from the law and it's like, you don't have time to have sex right now. Go. And I, I don't like that scene, but I don't know. I feel like they have a bond throughout the rest of the film and you do learn more about her than you do about Slim. But I feel like she's a little bit more interesting than Slim. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when you have that, because you have two really good ideas here because you want to be able to show the chemistry and also show like how and misinterpreted um the killing of that cop was I mean because even though yeah the cop was in the wrong the kid in the movie kind of sees like oh since they did it I can do it um if I'm getting that right but it just doesn't fit in um because I feel like they should have had that as two separate scenes so maybe cross cut with another scene like maybe they're on the run maybe like maybe they're still driving um towards where they're trying to get to and then have that scene in there because it's kind of awkward to have it during a sex scene for that um so I'm not entirely sure what the thought behind that was yeah but I think every other romance bit worked well I like the bit on the horses and I thought them talking in the car always worked particularly well because they're never quite on the same page until like the very end and I thought that was very realistic especially given that this is technically their first date which is a heck of a first date um and I just thought that was really interesting and it was a really good 
sort of dispersal of that vibe throughout the whole film, if that makes any sense whatsoever, which I don't think it does, but I liked saying dispersal of the vibe, so I'm sticking with it. Also, the romance calls into question uh, one question that I had, which is, is this more of a romance movie or is it more of a crime movie? Because I, it's, it's riding the line, but part of me feels like it leans one way or the other, and I just can't tell which. For me, I'd, I'd lean it more towards crime, if anything, just most, mostly because I feel like that's the part that sticks with me more than the actual romance. But it's more, it's more of a modernized take on Bonnie and Clive, which I think some, uh, someone mentioned, but it, it felt very similar to that and how you're blending in these, these lovers, I guess, and putting them into this scenario where it's all like it, this world of violence and sort of on the run. But I feel like in Bonnie and Clyde, what worked about that is that I felt like the connection between the main leads was a lot, a lot stronger. And we actually felt like we got to know them more. And there was a bit more of a connection with them, too. Whereas in this, it's not not that there is I'm not saying there's no connection between the two main characters, but it's just it's 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 very weak. I agree. I have to say I found this as a crime as well, because they keep like hurting people. That's the thing. If it was just like, oh, they accidentally killed the cop, then okay, maybe you could say there's more romance, but they like hit the dude with the car or something. And I was like, oh, they keep like getting into trouble and stuff. So, and I just, I kind of agree. I don't know if I feel the romance too, just because it was such a short amount of time they knew each other. But yeah, I'd have to lean with crime as well. Yeah, I would say it's more crime centric than I would say romance. I mean, I could see uh, what they're trying to do, trying to have a bit of a balance between the crime part and the romance part. Um, but I think since it's focusing, its focus is not so much on the romance as it is much more of the racial politics. And I feel like that can kind of maybe guide your attention away from the romance a bit because, I mean, these are two good actors. They have great chemistry on the screen like you could see when they're interacting they're enjoying being together but I feel like it might want to either balance that folk it should have balanced the focus a little bit so that way it can if it wants to combine both the crime and the romance I see what you all are saying but having listened to it I have to say I completely disagree uh I think I think it's more of a romance movie because Orson, you said like they keep getting into trouble, but they don't really keep getting into trouble in a crime way. Like they just keep accidenting into trouble. Like the only real crime they commit after killing the cop is forcing the sheriff into the trunk. They don't even rob a gas station. They try to. And then the guy's like, if I can hold your Glock, I'll give you the gas for free. And then they do it. And I don't know. I feel like it's much like the elements that stand out to me is much more romance. Also, I'm not sure it's entirely fair to compare this to Bonnie and Clyde. Just because Bonnie and Clyde is about two people who like shirk off the law and go on killing and robbing sprees. This is about two people who are forced into running to Cuba, if that makes sense. Like it's, I can see the threads that are similar, but also it just feels totally different. I don't know. I feel like the way it was advertised, it was definitely advertised as the as a Bonnie and Clyde type movie. Even though I don't think that's what we initially got. Um, so, and I think they only really mentioned the Bonnie and Clyde thing once when the uncle says, "Oh, it's well, isn't it Bonnie and Clyde?" So, I think 
they i think that's how they wanted to advertise it but i think the movie ended up being a lot more than what it was trying to you know what when than what it was advertised for that's fair i did like when he called him when he said uh well if it isn't the black bonnie and clyde just because it's a little bit of self uh recognition and i always like that in movies I can see that though. Okay, that makes that makes more sense. I don't remember how they advertise this movie, so maybe maybe they were advertising it as Black Bonnie and Clyde. One thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, this movie didn't get nominated for any Oscars. And given that we always talk about the Oscars this time of year, because usually the Oscars would be happening right now, but they're not, and I'm very upset. Um, should this have been nominated for any Oscars. I think if it was any other year, it probably would have been nominated, but last year was, or not last year, 2019, there were just, it was such a strong year for movies that it really had no chance because this was up against like Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, Lighthouse, Uncut Gems, those types of movies. And Queensland really just got buried in like in all of those movies. So if this came out in like, I don't know, 2017 or 20, like 2018 was a particularly weak year for movies. So it definitely would have gotten nominated then, but it's just, there was too much competition. Like I wouldn't be, if it got nominated for best picture, I would totally understand why, why it would get that type of recognition. I mean, I think if it were nominated, um, my best bet, it probably could have been more nominated for like screenplay categories and the best actor, best actress. I couldn't necessarily see this being nominated for best picture because like Matthew said, it was a great year in 2019 um, because there was so many big movies that came out that year. And some that never even got nominated because there were so many good movies like White House didn't get nominated that year on Cut Gems didn't get nominated for Best Picture. I mean, there were so many movies that came out that this one definitely was kind of in the pack. I know it got nominated for Independent Spirit Awards. Um, I know that for a fact, but I... Don't, this didn't really get any other attention otherwise. And I also think it's because it was released so late in the year too that Oscar nominations were practically already like being voted on. And so it probably didn't have a chance to really get itself in the running for that. Wait, when was it released? It was like December 2019, I think. And... I think independently was released December 2019, which sometimes that's kind of where a lot of these independent films, because apparently this does qualify as an independent, um, like independent films usually get released later in that, later in the year, but Oscar nominations, they usually start voting in January. And so some of them probably already have like their minds made up about what's going to be nominated and what's not going to be nominated but I think this year might be a different story since with the delay with COVID I think the voters have more time to see the movies that they probably were not able to see in late December that's fair 
I guess. I don't know. I think this was better than a lot of movies like Uncut Gems or The Lighthouse. Or uh, I forget what else was nominated for Best Picture. I know neither of those were, but I, th- I thought this was better than a lot of movies that came out in 2019. Mainly a lot of movies that I thought should have won Best Picture weren't even nominated, but some of them were ridiculous. But this, I don't know. I think Kaluuya at least should have gotten nominated. He's really good. And she should have gotten nominated too. Both of them should have gotten Best Supporting Actor because they're both supporting each other in a really neat way. All right, we're almost out of time for Queen of Slim, but I have one more question, which is when this came out, a lot of people were calling it an instant classic. Now that we've had a year, I thought it was more than a year because I thought it came out summer 2020 or 2019. But now that we've had a year, is it sort of already fading from the zeitgeist or is it turning out to be that instant classic? I mean, when this came out, like I didn't know anybody that saw it in theaters. I well now now I know that you did but even then like it's been a year and yeah this has popped up on HBO Max like under like Black Lives Matter banner but nobody's talking about this movie which is kind of surprising like I thought maybe this would have like some sort of cult resurgence of some kind but it's yet to but I I feel like it's more just based around that message and not the narrative itself which I touched upon earlier because that's what really sticks with me I really like if there's anything I think this movie did extremely well was the ending. The ending was very good and really it really sticks with you. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from the film. It's what the filmmakers probably want you to get out of it. So for that reason, it's like, I guess in a way it's sort of, sort of is, but it's like, I guess it's like an underground classic. Like no one's really talking about it. Yeah, it's a shame. Which ending, by the way? Are you talking about the ending of the actual movie with all the protest scenes, or are you talking about the ending where they're on the tarmac and they get the, shot like up the ep- by the cops? The, the epilogue part, uh-huh. where it's like they're sort of remembering their legacy. Huh. The ending on the tarmac sticks with me a little bit more than that, and I don't know why. Like, I forgot that the epilogue happened until I saw it again, which is strange given that they post a giant picture of Queen and Slim on the side of the building. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think you, we probably should give Queen and some a few more years before we can kind of consider it that level. Um, because I do think this is a movie that will develop some sort of a cult following later on. I wouldn't say cult following, but in depth, people will definitely talk about it. Um, because usually with like movies like this, like, I usually like let them sit for a while before I can say, okay, how relevant is it to today's standard in the film industry? And this, I think the jury's still going to be up on Um, because I feel like it's going to be a few more years before we can consider this to be an underground classic. I mean, maybe it already is. I mean, it probably already has itself distinguished as that, but I think we just need to give this a few more years before I can say if it's, it's going to be a classic. So I think I usually wait until like to see how well people remember this film before um, before I, I give it something like that, that status. Fair enough. But now we are out of time for Queen and Slim. So final thoughts. 
I like I said kind of at the beginning, I thought it was a very interesting take on the Bonnie and Clyde story, especially how much it commented on racial politics and how you know relevant the situation was and especially became only a couple months later. I think the performances in it are really well done, but it is a little bit longer than it needs to be. And I think some things could have been cut out or maybe at least a little bit more concise. But overall, I thought, yeah, you know, with the whole classic thing, we'll just have to see, you know, uh, if these stars keep rising, if people will look back at this one or if they'll just look at other ones. So it'll be interesting to see. It's it's not it's not bad. I I really like a lot of there's things I like about it that I think did really well. I really like the performances. I like the message behind it. I think we didn't really touch upon it, but it's like it's really well shot. I think the soundtrack is really, really good too. But it's just I think as a story, it's it is it is too long. It could be cut down a lot. I think the romance is relatively weak, and overall, it's just it's it's kind of aside from the ending, it is a bit of a forgettable film, in my opinion. But other than that, it's not it's not the worst thing ever. Six out of ten. Yeah, I I really like this movie. It it's very entertaining throughout. I mean, Kulia and. Um, Jodie Turner-Smith really do give a great, really do have great chemistry and give out really great performances. And I really like the style of direction that came with this movie. Like they, apparently this um, director shot music videos before this movie. Um, and you and you can tell like she definitely has her own style. Um, and I'll probably see in a few years to see if this will be remembered as much as like other big films of this nature are right now so hopefully hopefully this movie will gain a little bit more of more of a following later on but it is a pretty it is a really good movie dang i'm gonna give it a 9.5 out of 10 i thought it was really spectacular I think the scene that sort of epitomizes it is when they're leaning out of the car window and it's very tense, but very beautiful at the same time. And it's just spectacular. And I really, really love this movie. It was awesome. Just a little bit docked off because that sex scene is stressful because again, run. <laughs> but that'll wrap up our conversation on Queen and Slim. And we're going to move into Nomadland, which came out recently on Hulu stars Francis McDormand and a whole lot of nomads and is about nomads. Uh, spoiler alert, I didn't like this movie much, but what did you guys think of it? I had, and this is going to sound bad, I had no expectations going into this movie because I didn't even know what it was about really. I hadn't seen the trailer. I knew it was being directed by the woman who's directing an, an upcoming Marvel movie and a lot of people were really excited for it because they wanted to see, you know, what she'd done before she does this later this year. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And, you know, we were reviewing it on banter. I was surprised how much I liked it. I'll drop a hot take. You know, Frances McDormand recently starred in a movie a couple of years ago, uh, Three Billboards. I didn't like that movie at all. I did not think it was that good. But so I was a little hesitant because I was like, oh, well, you know, this kind of seems along the same lines. And I was just surprised how much I liked this. I think my biggest issue is the runtime is actually pretty like short. It's only an hour and 45 minutes or something. I swear, if I didn't know that, I would have thought the movie was like two hours. It really felt like it dragged on because it's just kind of a person walking around, just like talking and listening to people and driving. So that was a little hard. I'd like get up halfway through and like eat some ice cream. I was like, I gotta get some sugar in me. But yeah, I was surprised how much I enjoyed this. 
Yeah, I, I really, I really love this movie. Actually, this this was one of my most anticipated for 2020. I, I mean, it got released in 2021, but it won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival this past year, and I thought it was extremely well done, extremely beautiful look at sort of rural the rural areas of the American West and these nomads, which admittedly the nomad community is one that I really didn't know much about prior to this film. But after seeing it, I realized just how it's not only really fascinating community, but it's just how sad it really is. Just like the fact that these people were crushed by capitalism and how they have to live in vans and like, just look for work. And it really shows that like, well, like this movie, it's not really focused a lot on story, but it's more just about the journey and it does meander a lot, but I feel like this has much more purpose to it than Queen Slim did because it's just about the journey and where like the road takes you. And like Frances McDormand is also incredible in this movie. I've all like, she's one of my favorite actresses and she does such a great job. And I, I thought it was a really beautiful film from just beginning to end. I'm still trying to grasp this film because I, I do like it, but I'm not sure how much I do like it. Um, I mean, because McDormand, as usual, gives a great performance. I mean, she's a great actress in general. I mean, I've never seen her in many bad roles. Um, and I really like this community that the nomads have. And I just really like the journey. I mean, I really love the cinematography. Um, and it because it's like time to when they're like looking at the stars at night, I really love seeing the silhouettes and the use of natural lighting in these scenes. Like it's super great. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm still on the fence about it because I like it, but I'm not entirely sure if it's going to, I mean, it's definitely going to stick with me, but I'm not entirely sure if it's like, I'm going to remember this as like a great movie or just a good movie. So it's really hard to tell right now but i think i'm still on the fence about this movie it's a lot to think about i thought this movie was way overhyped uh i didn't know what it was about until i watched it i don't know why but for some reason i assumed it was science fiction just because it was called nomadland and everybody was so excited for it I was like oh like the the native race of dune okay sure i don't know why i assumed that it was the wrong assumption uh, and then the movie, it just felt like the moments in independent films where like nothing's really happening, but they're like, just take in the characters. But it was that for an hour and 40 minutes. And so there, it was just, it didn't give me anything. And I didn't think about anything. And it wasn't critical of, of anything that it presented, which is a problem because it presented Amazon warehouses, which you should probably be critical of. Uh, but they were just like, yeah, whatever. That's just a little minor gripe though. And it just, at no point was I at all interested in anything this film was doing. And I feel really bad saying that, but it, it was just boring and dull. And the scenery was beautiful, but it was just the scenery and the cinematography was just kind of like, look at the scenery, isn't it nice? I don't know. I think this was way overhyped. But Frances McDormand was good in it. Yeah, I mean, I think with Nomadland, um, I can kind of see where you're coming from with this. Um, because it's definitely like one of those movies where 
I think we said it before when we were talking about Sound of Metal, where it's just a movie that you would see at film scene um, sometimes. And it does kind of give off that vibe, but it's kind of like where the movie is definitely being poetic in some way, but it's like, what is it being poetic about? And because you do, you are focused on these nomads, you are focused on McDormand's character and kind of seeing her go through the bad winds. Like the funniest thing when I was like watching this movie, it's like, oh, I've been there before. I've been to Waldrug. I've been to the bad winds. I mean, they're really beautiful places. And it's really hard for me to grasp, like, what is this movie trying to say? Because the character doesn't, she has a journey, but it's not a journey that's like dynamic in any way. Um, I mean, it is dynamic, but it does have dynamic ideas. It's like, okay, should I, should I keep going as a nomad or should I let go of this van? And it goes in directions that it subverts and then it goes in directions that are a bit predictable, but don't, are not too predictable. It's kind of hard to really grasp what the movie, what this character is really trying to do. I think an issue that I had is she she doesn't grow as a character. She's just still in her van at the end, which one can argue, well, you know, whatever. But like, I, I just feel like she had so many opportunities in this to grow as a person, but yet she didn't. She, and maybe, you know, she's happy in the van, which it sounds like she is, but it also, I kind of got the vibe, maybe she wasn't a little bit. She's still just there in the end. So I, I, I was disappointed by that. I think, I think all of those criticisms are valid because that's why I've heard from other like reviewers and people, but I don't know, it's just something about like just the study of this character is just something I really found emotional just because Frances McDormand's character loses basically everything because of the recession and not to mention she, she lost her husband too. So she literally has pretty much nowhere else to turn to except her van. And even though there is a scene where she meets with her sister and she's like, you know, you could, you're always welcome to stay here. And she's like, I, I got to stay in my van because that's where she's she's become so like used to that it's like that's her home like it's it's the equivalent of, like trying to like leave your home that you've established for I I, I forget what the time span is in, in this movie like it's probably been a couple years since that that recession happened but it's just like if she put all her time and like life and and her money into it it's just like you you'd have a hard time leaving what you call your own like foundation and I think that's kind of the point of this movie too, is to show just how loss can affect someone, but at the same time, you can't really escape it because it, it's clear that I think, I think this character does want to change, but she really can't, which is really unfortunate, I think. But at the same time, it doesn't shy away from just showing how beautiful life is, just like in its scenery and in the people too. Because I think this movie shows that one of the key things that makes America the country that it is is the people because these people the nomads are very likable and even though we feel this great deal of sympathy for them we just see how they're still able to enjoy life even though they're living in a van in the middle of nowhere because we just see the the landscapes and sort of the scenery is just a part of their like their belonging it's really interesting yeah, I mean, I feel like this idea has been a bit done before. I mean, even though this is done in its own way, which I'm actually very proud of, because Koi Zhao does add a lot to 
her cam- the camera work and the atmosphere of this movie. It kind of reminds me a bit of um, David Lynch's The Straight Story, where it's about a guy um, basically on his tractor trying to get somewhere. Um, and it, that's what it kind of reminds me of. But I think this one was trying to be a bit more poetic. Um, and so it's really hard to know what this movie is going for, which is why I can't really give it anything right now. I mean, in terms of the score, because it's so hard for me to grasp, like, I wouldn't say it's so hard, but it's like, it's a movie that's going to be sitting with me for a while. I mean, it's kind of like when you watch, say something that was super astounding and, or listen to something super astounding. Um, and you just got to kind of sit with it a bit to kind of figure out, okay, what did I really think of this? And it's going to be a while before I can kind of give a definite answer on this movie. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying, Matthew, I'm not sure this can, like, I don't like calling this a character study because I can't name a single thing about her character. And all the bad things that happened to her happened to her off screen like years ago, four years ago, which I know, fun fact, because it takes place after the 2008 recession and there's a marquee that says the Avengers. So it took place in 2012. So take that, director. I see through your vague timeline. But um, like that all happens off screen. And there is that sort of conflict of her wanting to be a nomad, but she clearly wants to. And the movie literally ends in the same place it began, except now she's more committed to being a nomad, but she was already committed to being a nomad. And it just feels like after the first 30 minutes, nothing new really happens. They just go around and it's like, oh, we're in the Badlands now and having fun in the Badlands. And oh, we're in New Mexico now and we're having fun in New Mexico. And oh, my friend apparently committed suicide off screen which is really like dark in a way that they don't really address i didn't know she committed suicide i thought she just died because she had cancer no she um because she was talking about the book dr death by dr kevorkian yeah she had the book or something yeah okay i didn't know that she killed herself i thought i see which was like shockingly grim and I don't feel like it dealt with that at all, aside from, well, it's kind of sad that that happened. Like, that's a really complex, difficult philosophical choice that was made. And you're just like, eh, we'll throw rocks onto the fire and it'll be sad. And like, yeah, it's trying to be very poetic, like Daniel said, but it's not poetic about anything. It's just like, eh, look at the pretty scenery. I will say I it's. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I think it's just more than just pretty scenery, though, because I, I, I'd argue, I, I still stand by, I do think this is a character study piece because we could, I'd argue that before um, in the opening 30 minutes when it seems like she is committed to being a nomad, but at the same time, you see how there's people trying to be like, oh, why don't you come live with me? And she's like, no, but at the same, you could kind of tell, like, and I think this is what makes Francis McDormand's performance so well is that you can read her thoughts just through her expressions and she doesn't like just outright say it. you could tell that maybe she wants to live in a home but she realizes that she can't because her van is her home and it's uh, we already touched into that but just 
that idea is like she firmly established herself as a no man like by that point she is just gonna go on the road and I think what really um, firmly established her being a nomad is there's I forgot who said it but there's a line that someone says where it's like when you're a nomad you never say goodbye you just say see you later and to me that's the line that really stuck because just like yeah no one ever says goodbye in this and I don't I don't believe she ever did either if I'm mistaken but to me it's just like yeah she's she keeps seeing these people she goes back and forth from I think it's like the south to like south dakota and just goes back and forth and she's seeing the same people all the time it's like there are these stops like for seasonal jobs she keeps seeing them it's not like she's leaving them forever she's gonna come back in like a year so to me that that's where the turning point came where it's like yeah i'm gonna live my life on the road and this is this is where i live i'm not i'm not gonna go back to living in a home and i think that's what makes her character so interesting is that yeah, there might not be much of an arc, but there's something there. And I think um, other, I think, I know Daniel compared it to The Straight Story, where The Straight Story, that is also another film about the journey, but it does have more of a narrative plot. There is a clear goal for the character, but this one, the the sort of goal around Frances McDormand is just the road that lies ahead of her. And it's just sort of this plan that she had routed out, but it's like, we don't know what, what the next step is. We don't know where she's going to go after that. And I think something interesting too, that I was going to say, Matthew kind of touched upon it um, in his, what he just said, is the idea of like loss and saying goodbye. That actually hit me pretty hard because I won't like delve in too much and for the sense of time, but like I've lost people to cancer. My youngest brother passed away to cancer. And so when they start like dealing and they were talking about that stuff and the effects it has on someone, I, I won't, you know, deny it. I was tearing up a little bit. I was like, man, you know, that's really hard to watch because you see, you know, I can speak for myself that it really does have like these depressing effects on you and you want to do these things, but like you can like people are reaching out to you, but at the same time you want to accept it, but sometimes you feel like you might be overbearing. And I feel like that's what I got from her character at times, especially when she was um, joining Dave's family. I was like, okay, you know, she has this ability to potentially become a grandmother figure by dating Dave. And he just had, you know, the grandson or whatever, but she chooses not to, because it seemed like she felt she was being overbearing. And she was like, she didn't want to latch onto this family. So I, I just know that feeling of like, loss and stuff and I think they did that really well especially with that whole speech about saying goodbye yeah I mean I think the thing about a character that I do feel like it's definitely the thing that definitely does drive this movie into like a lot of people's top 10 list of last year is the fact that this character is so content with her lifestyle and because she's not she doesn't really have any second thoughts about leaving her life as a nomad she doesn't she doesn't think about getting a house she doesn't think about getting a new family she just kind of keeps going which is a very admirable message that the movie does get across i feel like the message is something that does stay strong so i feel like that is the biggest takeaway i do have with this movie is the message because it's like sometimes like people, you know, they need that dose of life to say, just kind of be, she's very content with what she has. And that is something that's very admirable, but it's just kind of hard for me to kind of really grasp whether or not it was still 
works as a film. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, and I will say, um, I think the best part of the movie for me was was the speech that the old guy gave at the end where he's like, he opens it up with, I, I rarely talk about my son. And that was that was sort of the high point of the movie for me, but it, it was just so far at the end. And I, you know, it was just so isolated, but it was really good. And I really, really liked that part. I don't know. I just think the rest of the movie didn't quite live up to that part sort of earnestness, if that makes sense. And it makes sense it was earnest because that's what we call a segue. Uh, a lot of this was shot with just like real people and real nomads. And Francis McDormand just lived as a nomad for a little while. I was wondering what you all thought of that. I kind of like that. That's kind of cool. Cause I wasn't, I was watching this and I'm like, are they even like professional actors? Or are they real people? Cause I could totally see these kind of people being nomads. And now to know that, I think it just adds a lot of like rich kind of background to the film. They're not just hiring people to pretend to be someone else. They're actually getting the real deal. Obviously, you know, Francis McDormand is a very well accomplished actress. So, you know, you can excuse that, but I think having, you know, I'm gonna assume possibly the friends were too, like the one she was especially close with. I think that was pretty cool because, you know, also knowing behind the scenes that she lived as one, that really adds like credibility to what she brought to the character at least. I never once watching this was like, no, she would not be a nomad. She played it very well. If there's any actor that I would believe would be a nomad, it would be Frances McDormand. It makes the movie feel a lot more personal. And it, like a lot of those, a lot of these scenes, like when they're, when she's talking with these real life nomads, it, it feels kind of like a documentary because we don't, I don't know like how much of it is actually based off of like these people's experiences are either written like in a script or they could be the real life stories of these real life people. And it just adds a lot more, what you said was like credibility to the movie it, and this great deal of both realism and it being a really personal story about not only this character who is clearly written for the film, but just these more of these real life back background characters and also her friends too it just adds a lot more to it it's like we can see these people living in real life like on like on the road i looked it up nomadland because i saw it last night and i wasn't sure it was a book it's a non-fiction book that like follows people that got affected so i wouldn't be surprised if like you know maybe some of the stories that were in it um i don't know if it followed you know francis mcdormand's character was just following a bunch of people but yeah it was probably real most of the stories they used hopefully yeah, I mean, I think using real life nomads actually really does add a lot to the community. Because I feel like it's kind of like with Sound the Metal and how they use people from the deaf community, it makes it really feel genuine. And it gives this community a good life. Because even though there's all these people saying, like, why are you living your life as a nomad? And why don't you come live with us? You do kind of see the best aspects of it because these people are just people who are living life they're not people that are necessarily wanting anything more than that they just want to be content with what they have so I feel like that does add a lot to the community and really represents it in a really good light yeah although it's a weird thing to say that it represents the nomad community because I'm not sure the nomad community is a community that was in dire need of representation, but it is cool that they hired like nomad nomads to do it. 
And some of the stuff was just like documentary ish. Like I think the bit at the RV sale where like they're going around and stuff. I think that was all like they were pretending to film a documentary or something. Cause someone mistook Francis McDormand for a real nomad and gave her a, a job application, which is pretty funny. Also, one of you mentioned uh, that it's going on people's top 10 lists of something. I forget what exactly, but in Letterboxd, uh, the classic film app, it jumped to the, like, the top 250 narrative films of all time. And that felt, that felt a little rushed to me and it felt like a little much, if that makes sense. I was wondering if it, if it earned that place. I mean, like I said, for me, it's going to be a while before I can consider that to earn it, um, because I feel like it'll take a while for a film like this to really catch on to a lot of people, because obviously it's something that movie buffs and like independent movie buffs will get into, but I'm not entirely sure if it's ever going to, I don't think, yeah, kind of like what we said at Queen and stuff, if it's ever going to reach that status yet. Um, so I think it's only time's going to tell. Only time will tell where no mad land will place. I always feel bad when I do like my top 10 lists and I don't include a lot of independent films, but here's how I look at it. And I always look at, I'm looking at it like this with Nomad Land. It's a good movie. I enjoyed it, but I never need to see it again. You know, there are reasons like Freaky or other things around my top 10 list for la from last year because I enjoy watching those and I want to keep revisiting them. This was good and I enjoyed watching it for this, you know, purpose. But I don't, I'll be fine if, you know, the next 70 plus years of life or whatever I live, I never see Nomadland again, unless I need to for a job or a class or something. But that's how I kind of view it. Yeah, I think I agree. Uh, I've been trying to find exactly where it landed in the top 250 because Letterboxd doesn't have Command F enabled. But I know it's in there. It, it just feels so fast. And there's so many movies out there. And I feel like if you gave me a whole day, I could name 251 movies that are better than Nomadland, but. Well, one could argue Parasite because that's like the highest rated movie or something on Letterboxd. Yeah, that that I feel. Well, Parasite old. deserved its place right away. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's I don't no, think it deserves no the number there. one movie of all time oh, right oh, away. I, I, but... I disagree. I wholeheartedly disagree. We could fight that till the day I die. I will defend that movie forever. I'm not saying that as like a jab at the movie. I think it's a very yeah. well done movie, but that went really fast and that's you know been out for like less well around a year so you know it's like it's like how every christopher nolan film makes the top 10 on imdb so people i think people really get themselves hyped up at the time so it's really gonna be interesting to see where nomad wins gonna be placing in a few years or so because people still rate the dark knight as like the best movie of all time and i don't know time still has to what the time still has to go on before you can consider it that status. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, but the Dark Knight earned that place. It's been, what, 13 years? It's earned that, right? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, I, I, I feel like it, it needs to take some time to get on the top 250. But also at the same time, I don't look at the Letterbox top 250 for like, as the gold standard for the best films ever i'll go to like sight and sound or something like that but yeah in terms of it being in top tens of 2020 however that that definitely earned its spot like i won't be surprised one bit if this wins best picture and if it does like i'll i won't be disappointed at all i would actually really i really want it to win but i don't know i think it's just 
it's just so good. I think what you'll, I'll be curious to see kind of what we were just saying is how fast it gets into Criterion. That'll yeah. be, I'll be curious to see that because Parasite earns that by being the first foreign film to win Best Picture and all of those other prestigious sorts and just being a great movie. That earned that. But I don't know if Nomadland, well, I'll just, I don't know if it needs to be put into Criterion right away, maybe in like the next two to three years, but I'll, we'll see. I, I think it eventually. Yeah. yeah. It, it eventually will be. I'm going 90%. I think I'd prefer Queen and Slim hit Criterion though, just because I feel like Queen and Slim is in slightly more danger of being forgotten than Nomadland. I'd like, I'd like someone to recognize Queen and Slim as a really, really great film before, before it vanishes, if it ever does, which I don't think it will. We're almost out of time for Nomadland and the whole episode altogether. So final thoughts. I thought this was an interesting film as going into it with no expectations, no knowledge of the plot or what the trailers told you, you know, I thought it was very interesting. I don't know if like I was as hyped up about it coming out of it as everybody else is, but I think it was very well done. I'm excited to see what, is it Chloe Zhao? Is that how you pronounce her name? I think so. Yeah. What she's going to do with Eternals later this year, with, you know, a lot more um, backing behind her because it's Marvel, but yeah, I, I'll be curious to see if this goes for some Oscars and it, I just wish the runtime you know, it was fine, but it could have been, it could have moved a little bit faster. I, yeah, I thought this was an excellent movie and one of the best of last year. I feel like just as an experience, it's really, it's so, it's so unique. Like I can't really think of a lot of films that really tell this type of story in this manner, not just in terms of a character story, but even just visually with silence and just observing these people it really makes you feel like you're a part of this community and showing a community that many people probably like know about but don't really know what it must be like to live as a nomad and I think it does an exceptional job I really can't wait to see what else Chloe Zhao does because this is like this shows that she's has so much talent and so many more opportunities ahead of her I think Nomad Land is a great movie and highly recommended to check out if you would like to. I'm giving it a nine out of 10. Like I said throughout uh, the review of this movie, it's gonna be hard for me to really say what I think of this film because I definitely liked it, but I'm not sure how much I liked it. Um, there are so many great things in it. I mean, McDormand still, get, still gives out great performances. I pretty well the cinematography and Chloe Zhao definitely has a big future ahead of her. But it's definitely gonna be a movie that's gonna be sticking with me for a, a while, which I'm guessing that's probably the best compliment you can give a movie like this. So I'm not entirely sure. I, I liked it, but I'm not entirely sure if it's gonna deserve the status it does as of right now. Um, but I, yeah, I'm still on the fence about it, but we'll see what happens later on. I'm going to give it a four out of 10. One for the guy's speech at the end, one for Francis McDormand, one for the scenery, because the scenery was beautiful, but that really goes more towards nature. And one, because I'm looking forward to the Eternals. Um, but I, I didn't like this movie much. I thought it was kind of eh. And it's my least favorite kind of movie where it's a character study, but there's not really a plot. And I feel like the best way to analyze a character is with the plot, but that's just me being stupid. So yeah, four out of 10. The fourth one's a combination of all that last bit.
So yeah, that'll wrap up this episode of Bijou Banter. Be sure to tune in next week if you want. Where we're going to be talking about Black Panther and Tom and Jerry 2021, which is going to be a great episode. I just know it. Uh, and be sure to check out Bijou if you want. We've got some great films coming up, and we hope to see you there. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how easy the films are to access price-wise. But I've been Calvin. I've been Orson. I've been Matthew. And I've been Daniel. We will see you all next time. Bye-bye.